Okay, if there are no other requests, can we praise God? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. God, we thank you tonight. Glory, God. We magnify. Hallelujah, Lord. Your holy name. Glory to God. Hallelujah, Lord. God, we love you tonight. Glory, God. God, we love you so much, God. You didn't have to do it, Lord. We thank you for the function of our limbs, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. The breath, hallelujah, Lord, that you put in us to begin to praise you. Hallelujah, Lord. Glory, God. God, I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Glory, God. Not just for what I see. Oh, come on. I but praise you, God, for the things I just don't see. Oh, glory, God. Because you are a God that gives over and over, restores over and over. Hallelujah, Lord. Gives the favor. Glory, God. I heard somebody speak favor. You are a God. Hallelujah. That specializes in giving favor. Uh, the peace of God in the molten home. Godly favor to your people, Lord. In the name of Jesus. God, we believe. We believe. We believe, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. I speak right now that every door the enemy thinks he's closed. Hallelujah, Lord. Once we touch the door, the door is going to automatically open because he has no authority. Hallelujah, Lord. To close anything that God has opened just for you. Hallelujah. He can't stop anything unless God gives him permission. And if God doesn't give him permission, you're the only one that can stop him. So praise him for the victory. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. What's mine, I won't. Hallelujah, Lord. Glory, God. That means it has my name on it, and nobody else can take it. Glory, God. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. I thank you for the victory. Hallelujah. And I thank you for every blessing. On blessing, on blessing, on blessing. Hallelujah. I thank you for the next dimension. You're taking this ministry to, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. I magnify your name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glory, God. God, in the name of Jesus, God, cause us to receive the word from the man of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, everything that you poured into him, cause him to remember, Lord, and pour it out, Lord. No hesitation. Without thought. In Jesus' name. We receive it, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus. No excuses. Hallelujah, Lord. I speak right now. In the name of Jesus, elevation. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. God, we believe it and we stand on the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, who has a testimony? Thank you, Lord. 
anyone? Okay. If you have no other testimonies, we're going to call up the Lord of God. Brother Micah, y'all give him a hand praise. Dear God, I just want to come to you right now asking that we uh, speak your word, Jesus, that all that you've called for me to say today, God, that I'm able to speak it and that uh, the word that I say resonates with everybody in here and that they hear what you're saying to them as I speak to you. I ask that your will increase in mind decrease, God. I love you and I thank you in your mighty precious name. Amen. So, uh, today I have a message called Be Aware. Uh, this message has uh, been in the work for a very long time, but I just recently started putting it to paper and putting actual thought into it. Uh, I really became aware of it in uh, Myrtle Beach on this uh, vacation for my uh, the wedding of my lovely cousin. Uh, I went to the beach every night alone, and I would sit down on the sand and I would just look at the ocean and hear what God had to say to me. Uh, a lot of the time, it was just wisdom on how to navigate the next day or things in my life, but recently there's been a uh, influx of emotions, almost uncontrollable emotion, and I was asking God what that was about. I felt like there was a, no reason for me to be feeling so strongly, and I typically do have strong emotions, but at, at this point in time, it was getting a little bit overwhelming. Um, and at the end of the trip, on the flight home, I had realized how much God had worked on me and how much I was striving for growth, but there was still so much I wasn't aware of and how it was still affecting me. Uh, every night, God would bring up something, uh, something from the past or some emotion that I hadn't really gotten rid of that was still influencing my actions to this day. In thinking on this message, God brought to my attention an observation I had made some time ago uh, that being that most saints that I know are either led completely by their emotions or deny their emotions completely and pretend that they don't exist. I'm here to tell you today that that is not what God has for us. Joy, peace, and love, these things are all gifts from God and emotions. All of these things God has provided us for a reason. Each of our likes and dislikes, all of our personality traits, God has crafted those and known of those since before Adam and Eve. He also knows how complex and intricate we are as people. There's beauty in our complexity. We're very, you know, very 3D people, I guess. It's a, uh, I was just making that realization when I was on the trip, once again, it felt like every conversation I had with uh, my cousin uncle over here or with uh, even Elisha or Jackie, uh, I felt like I had been learning something new about who they were. Like I was getting some insight as to who they are. And I can only imagine that uh, I have so much more to go from uh, in life as I navigate through with God. Um, as I started pondering, the first memory that God brought back to me was a time that I was still at UNL. And it was a decent time before I moved back to Omaha. It was a particularly rough patch. For some reason, I couldn't shake this feeling of sadness no matter what I did. 
For days I had been praying to remove my sadness so that I could feel whole again. And it was not too long after I had just done a three-day fast. On this particular day, I had refused to leave prayer until I felt relief. And it was at this time that God revealed to me that he never gave me the sadness that I was asking for him to take away. And that it was simply a lack of the joy that he was trying to give me. God can't necessarily remove a void, but he can definitely fill it with what you have for me. I just have to claim it and be aware of what it is that I'm looking for. At that moment, I was hit with multiple revelations at once. What God has just presented with me, but also the realization that many of my actions were not driven by what I thought they were. When I looked inside myself and some of my past actions, particularly those against what God would have for me, I saw that there were attempts to fill voids on my own. Had I been aware of these things, I could have taken steps to avoid them. The first recollection I have of something of this caliber is uh, I had just moved out of my biological mother's house and I was staying with my father, which some of you would think is crazy, but it was the best choice I had at the time. <laughs> and there was a, a couple things going on. I, I had just got back from another vacation that I did not want to go on and I was stressing a lot because of that. Uh, I remember sitting in the car with my dad, and it had just been after I had made the pledge to stop drinking soda for a year. And I could just close my eyes and see an ice-cold can of root beer, and I knew that there was some in the fridge. And I asked my dad, I was like, why am I, why do I want some pop so bad? I ain't never wanted pop this bad in my life. And God brought to my attention that it's not really the soda that you're after, it's the relief from drinking something sweet and satisfying that you're trying to fill this void that the stress is making you. However, once that soda can is empty, all you're gonna do is wanna drink another one because that's not gonna be any lasting fulfillment. Uh, it's what caused me to really look look inside and find what God, uh, what I was lacking in God. Uh, in Ephesians 6, 10, and 11, we see the Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you, be, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. It goes on later to talk about how we're fighting principles. We're not fighting flesh and blood. The biggest battles that I've had in my life were unseen. They were all spiritual. They were all combats that I've been having within myself uh, or spirits in the area. And that's not something I can handle on my own. That's something that God's going to have to equip me for. Uh, and the biggest mistakes that I've seen saints make throughout my whole life is uh, trying to attack something spiritually with physical means. I see this in the actions of many other saints, but also I see it uh, just as much in the Bible. Many acts of sin were born out of seeking fulfillment without fully realizing or coming to God to it. In Judges, 636-40, we see, And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor. And if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by my hand. And thou hast said, And it was so, for he rose up early on the morrow, and thrust the fleece together, and wring the dew out of the fleece, 
a bowl full of water. Now, I've spoken on this verse many times before because a lot of the time uh, I would fall back on it when I didn't feel like I was hearing from God. A lot of the time I felt like there was a you know, big voice booming from the sky telling me what to do. So I would come up with ridiculous things that God would have to fulfill in order for me to know that this is what he wanted me to do. Um, and in the same sense, I'm sure Gideon was operating on that same wavelength. He had enough faith to come to God, and he had enough faith to be like, okay, I know that you said I'm supposed to save Israel. However, let's just say this fleet right here is going to be wet, but nothing else is, which I'm sure is a preposterous thing to ask, but God made it so in order to bolster his faith. That wasn't enough for Gideon, as we see. Uh, and Gideon said unto God, let not thine anger be hot against me, but, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let it now be dry only upon the fleece, and upon the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. And this is just about the same thing as I was saying earlier. Gideon had a lack of faith and wasn't able to move on what God had told him to do. Uh, that happens a lot in my life, a lot, a lot. Recently, God's been working on me with discernment, as a lot of the time I want to, you know, before something happens or in the midst of something, I feel because I can't step aside and go into a prayer closet, I can't act. But many times, I hear God say, you know with me, this is how you're supposed to act. At the end of that three-day fast I mentioned in Lincoln, I was fasting for so many things, so many questions I had, so many uh, problems that were going on. There was a lot of financial stuff. And at the end of the three-day fast, y'all know what God told me? You know what to do. <laughs> I skipped out on nine meals <laughs> for the answer, you know what to do. So let's just say I can empathize with Gideon a little bit. Uh, there's another thing that I can point to in my own life, I mean, out of many things, is my desire to not be misrepresented. This is something that God worked with me a lot in the past couple weeks. Being misrepresented makes me irrationally upset. And for the longest time, I had no clue why. I remember one time I was talking to my little brother, the oldest one, Karan, and uh, we were just talking about bullies and, you know, because I'm the older brother, and I was like, you know, are you getting bullied or whatever? And he was like, yeah, there are some guys, you know, who are kind of annoying, but it's whatever. And he was like, you know, I would, you know, bring you to school and tell you about them, but like, you're not even going to do anything. <laughs> and I was flabbergasted because there's a lot of things I would do for my little brother, uh, not all of them holy. So I was very confused as he was doubting my love for him. And he was, I, he continued. He was like, yeah, you probably just crack a joke at him or something, get him to laugh at you instead, and then it would be a problem again the next day. And then he just left my room, and I was quite frustrated, but not necessarily with him, but just frustrated at the fact that he didn't think that I was willing to stand up and defend him. But, you know, it kind of aggravates me a lot. Uh, there's another time when I was talking about the potential for me to have a girlfriend, and he, to save my grandpa's name, he said, 
you have a girlfriend? Nah, I can't see it. And walked away. So, again, he's not the kindest individual to me. I normally thought it was the older brother who does the bullying, but okay. So, as God does, he placed me in a lot of positions where I was being misrepresented regularly and had little impact in stopping it. This, again, frustrated me beyond my typical reaction as it was a repeated thing and it was something I could not stop. Eventually, I realized what was going on. I had to make myself aware and I started talking to God about it. And uh, I was telling him it was disturbing my peace. I needed an answer as to what was going on. Then he enlightened me. He told me that it was a matter of pride and that no matter how much I simply tried to ignore it, it would not go away. I needed to look inward and address it. Then I can find the void that needs to be filled and fill it correctly. I found myself meditating on the topic later, speaking further with God. And that's when he told me that I have worked so hard to become who I am, that I have constantly been seeking self-improvement, asking God what more I can do, and that I'm terribly ashamed of the man that I used to be. Well, I say man, I'm 21. The boy I used to be. Uh, and I'm uh, satisfied with how much I've uh, improved. And to be misrepresented, to not be, to not have who I am now acknowledged is something that bothered me to my core. But it's not something that I genuinely realized. It was just something that was going on behind the scenes. And had I not talked to God about it and made myself aware, I would have never improved it. I would have been stuck in that same place. Those facts that God all brought up hardly crossed my mind at all. So for it to have affected me to the way that it did, the way that it uh, bothered me regularly, beyond what my normal means was, my normal emotions, it was uh, perplexing. It just expressed to me how much of a spiritual battle we're fighting every day. And that if you don't have the armor of God on, as we read earlier, uh, the battle you'll be fighting will be a, a fruitless one. I feel as if I put uh, a lot of work into being who I am, and if I don't get recognized, sometimes I feel like that's also not. In many cases, I work on myself for those around me, especially those I'm called to lead, such as my little brother. Um, and a lot of the time, I use jokes or little jabs in a conversation to improve who I am as a person and try and take away things. Um, for example, if we're, you know, sitting there talking in the group and my dad says, you know, even if the world's ending, you know, Mike's about to go get a strawberry cake and berry cream, I'm going to take a step back and evaluate how much I love strawberry cake and if I'm drinking them too much to the point where he said that and uh, looks like I need to because my aunt and grandma giggle, but I thought that was just a random example. Uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> God then explained to me that however much I love and respect these people, it doesn't change the fact that I've been improving myself for God and that no matter how much uh, somebody else would describe me in an incorrect manner, God is the only one who truly knows my heart and that I've been improving myself for him he's the one I should be striving for the recognition of a big thing where this came up was when I first was going to college I remember there was a I don't know, conversation between me and my parents about how many classes I'll be taking. Uh, and I was just ready to 
take what they said and be done with it. However, I felt that God was leading me to take a different amount of classes. I remember uh, one time after class, after a conversation, I went to go just sign up for as many classes as I was told to by my parents and leave it alone. And I felt the most conviction I've ever felt to this day. And God said, you know, you know what you're supposed to do. Yet you're still acting out of my will because somebody else told you something. That shows how much you respect me uh, and how much you respect them. We need to flip that around because otherwise uh, there's going to be some problems. Uh, a lot of y'all don't know and a lot of y'all refuse to accept it, but I am not the brainiac y'all think I am. The fact that I even got into college, let alone with the scholarship, is all thanks to God, especially because the scholarship that I have, whew, it's a big one. And once I got to college, I started, you know, meeting the other people who have the scholarships. Um, there was a couple, you know, really smart ones, like 36 on the ACT, you know, all the actual brainiacs. But, you know, there was one who on the first day put like a stripper pole in her room. There was one who hadn't gone to classes for three months. Half of them flunked out. Uh, so I came to realize that I was given this scholarship most likely on the merit that they thought I would fail. And there's a lack of support for those who weren't applying themselves. The fact that I'm standing here now, about to graduate next May, not the May's coming up, next May, <laughs> it's also a testament to who God is. So if I had just followed what people around me were saying and not listened to what God had for me, I would have never really been here. We see in 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 4, and it came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when the kings go forth. Oh, no, okay. At the time the kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him. All, and all Israel, they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in the evening tide, when David arose from bed and walked off to the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. Now, if, you know, David was operating in the, the spirit that God had called him to, that's where that story would have ended. He would have walked back downstairs, went to sleep. However, he was not fully aware of uh, things that were inside him, and there was a void that he was going to try to fill. The woman was very beautiful to look upon, and David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Again, if David, you know, David could have been backslidden for a little bit, but after he found that, all that out, he could have been like, Yeah, sucks to suck, you know, I'm the king, I got other things I can do. But, doesn't end there. And David sent messengers and took her. And she came in unto him, and he lay with her. But she was purified from her uncleanliness, cleanliness, and she returned unto her house. Here we see David acting on a desire that is obviously not godly. However, it's deeper than David just scoping out a baddie on the neighbor's roof. There's more here than just, you know, because David had a couple lives. Uh, so if he was just feeling like that, there was holy ways he could have figured that out. 
when we continue to 12, 8 through 9, we see, And I gave thee thy master's house, and thy master's wives into thy bosom. And I gave, you, uh, gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had not been too little, I would moreover have given thee such and such thing. Now, right there, we see the, the crux of this message that God has given me tonight. As God is pointing out to David, I have given you so much. If it was as simple as you wanted a wife or another wife, you could have come to me and it would have been done. Simple as that. There would be no issue. However, and David even knows that. God calls David a man after his own heart. David has a strong connection with God. From a young age, he was destined to be king. So the fact that he was... Uh, he got caught with that boy. He wasn't prepared with the armor of God at all times. This is when he uh, slipped up. Where, wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Yes. All three of those things on their own are despicable, but to be done all at once by the same man that God has called after his own heart is crazy. That just shows how much we need to be aware of who we are, aware of what's going on inside of us and master our emotions so that we don't walk around life and get caught with just one simple thing that we see and we want to move it. Like I said, this isn't just about David lusting for something that he shouldn't have. It's far more than that. He wasn't aware of his emotions and the void that he needed to fill. Whether he felt jealous that there was a pretty woman who wasn't his wife, or he could have just been having a bad day and not put his spiritual armor on, and therefore he was caught uh, by a spirit of lust. Regardless of what it was, we see here that God saying plain as day, whatever it is you needed, I would have provided if you simply had asked. See, there's levels to this. What God wants us to do is to strive uh, to be like him and to always seek a closer relationship with him. See. Uh, like I told y'all with the soda, when I was having a bad day, uh, I was looking for soda as a quick relief. When I first made that realization, I simply was like, okay, I just won't drink soda then. However, that leaves the same, that problem unidentified and I can't actually fix it. You've identified there's a leak in your roof, but you don't know where the leak is and you have yet to put a bucket underneath. So your house will be water damaged soon if you don't act on it. That's why there's levels. You find out what's going on, why it's happening, then you counsel with God and have fellowship with others to find out what is uh, what you can do to stop it. When we feel something pestering, we reach out to God. Me personally, just like on the beach, I would say, "What's going on with this, God? I don't know what's happening. Like I feel something pestering me." That's how I say it. I know some of y'all like to pray in that King James version, so. Go ahead, do all that old speak, but me and God like this, you know. So I can keep it. I can keep it casual with Him. We don't just end once we find out what it is we're feeling. We have to go further, go deeper, consistently. You'll never find an ending. You'll always be growing and getting closer to God, and there's beauty in that growth. As you continue to grow, and as you continue to see further that there's more to grow, you will never be able to look at your mistakes. You will never be able to look at your sin 
and say, this is all I am. You will always be able to look and be like, I am so glad that there is a tomorrow. I am so glad that God has given me another chance. That personally is what has gotten me through many times. I can say this with the utmost confidence in saying that uh, emotions that we have are a blessing. The problem is when we don't master them, when we aren't in control of them, when they wander around and we don't do anything with them. The reason I can say this with the utmost confidence is because our perfect example, Jesus, was one with very strong emotions. As we've seen, he flipped over tables in the tabernacle. So, uh, if Jesus can have emotions, but be mastered in the way that they don't uh, overwhelm him, why can't we? In Matthew 26, 36-39, we see one of my favorite verses, or parts of the Bible, I should say. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. Gethsemane. Sorry, I'm so new to this. Uh... And saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here, while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful and very, uh, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little further, and fell on his face, face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it will be possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. This verse single-handedly pulled me out of one of the darkest places I've ever been in my life. The acknowledgement that Jesus had fear, but mastered it, eliminated it, brought it to God, and not only that, we see that he brought people with him. We see that he wasn't, you know, what a lot of people I know would do, you know, just try and thug it out. You know, I'm sure that if God told me it was my, you know, it was my time to be crucified or whatever, I'd be like, okay, you know, I hear God, might fast for three days and get told, you know, what to do again, but I'd still do it. Wouldn't address my fear, however, and then when I get to the cross, I'd probably buckle. And I'd be like, yeah, no, nah, God, you need to call somebody else. I don't know about this. We see that Jesus didn't do this, however, and we follow his example because he addressed his fear and he brought people with him to help lift him up. He also didn't uh, burden all that sadness on his own. Uh, he was sorrowful with them. And that takes a lot of humility. A humility I lacked until recently. Being vulnerable is very difficult. And not to not recognize that is going to stunt your growth in God a lot. You have to be humble and come to your brothers and sisters in Christ. There's a reason we're called to fellowship. Uh, in Proverbs 27 and 17, we see iron sharpeneth, sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. I didn't. Uh, I very well underestimated the power of fellowship until I started having it with the young adult group. Regardless of what we were doing, who we were doing it with and where we were doing, there was always the Spirit of God in our midst. Because of this, I was always uplifted and I felt enlightened after we left uh, the place where we were gathering. I felt like I, have, I had just had all the weight lifted off my shoulders. And that's not just with the young adult group. Sometimes 
after church conversations are even enough. I used to not understand why y'all would be here until about 2 o'clock in the church talking until I started doing it. Now, I'd be mad when y'all be talking about it's time to go. If I still got people to talk to. I love all of y'all. And y'all all have such gifts in God and such wisdom that I could have never have learned because I haven't lived the lives that you have. So trust, I'm going to soak it all up and move forward in a much stronger light because of that. In Ecclesiastes 4 and 10, we see, For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falls, for he hath not another to help him up. Now, you don't need to tell me this one. You can ask Elisha. I could just be sitting down and we're about to leave. The first thing he'll see is, you know, come help me up, brother. Because I'm not getting up on my own when I got a cousin. What do I look like? So, the same thing. If we're spiritually fallen or even stumbling, you got people all around you to lean on. There's a reason we're brothers and sisters in Christ, not homies, not acquaintances in Christ. This is a family. There's a reason why uh, we all are under one father, God, and why we're called, we're his chosen. And I truly believe that. The more that I connect with everybody, the more that I see that there are gaps in who I am that are fulfilled by those around me. If it was up to me, I if there was just a job with just meeting with each and every one of y'all having a Bible study, I would take that. It's a nice job. Unfortunately, that's not how the world works. So I'm in college getting a degree, so whatever. Um, here uh, in that part of the Bible, Jesus recognized that he was feeling a little dull. He needed to be sharpened. He needed to be ready for the coming battle. Just as we should master our emotions, see, we should also be looking for fellowship and help when we find ourselves losing our spiritual edge. You don't go into battle with a dull blade. You don't go in the kitchen with a dull knife. So we need to be aware of our situation and keep ourselves holy and sharp at all times. Lastly, I want to say not to only be aware of your own spiritual needs, but of those around you as well. Could God bring the needs of another to your attention, even small ones, or better yet, that person themselves, help them and provide them with what you need? You could be the blessing that God is sending someone's way with even just a smile. When I worked at High V next to my house, um, I was having a rough time just because I get overstimulated very easily. And working at a grocery store on 4th of July weekend was uh, not very soothing. However, there was somebody who walked in and just was buying the sparkling ice. And she looked at me with the sweetest smile and said, God is good, Amy. And instantly, I just felt just light come from within me. And we just talked about how good God was for five minutes. I'm sure the people behind her were mad at me because they're like, why y'all talking about God? I got places I got to be. But I was getting my fellowship, you know. It was lacking at the time, you know. I know who Cat Nansen was and Jack hadn't moved back yet. Eli was probably in college too. I was stuck. But God provides anyway. In the same way that that five-minute conversation enlightened my day and could have been the thing that stopped me from backsliding even for a day, you should be able to act in the way that God has told you, even if it's small. 
There's never, oh, it's just a conversation or it's just something. I've walked all the way to the car, ran back because I felt convicted and gave someone in the church a hug. It's not like I don't like hugs. I just felt like they were too busy. But God said they're never too busy for something that he called for me to do. So now, you know, if you see me waiting patiently while you're talking to somebody else, don't need a rush. God just told me to do something for you. So even better, you helping them out can lead to a revelation for you yourself. That's what God might have been working on the whole time. It's always mutually beneficial. Now, when I say help them out within your means, you ain't got to just slide somebody money whenever they ask and be on your way. If you notice somebody is down spiritually, do what you know God is telling you to do. Many times it will not be in your comfort zone, but when I see a knife put through a sharpener, I can't say it looks too comfortable either. You need to speak their language if you want, really want them to hear you. I just told my uh, grandma earlier, you don't go to Mexico and speak Chinese. If you want someone to feel loved, you speak their love language. A lot of times people are just like, you know, I am who I am. Y'all gonna have to deal with it. Which, I mean, I guess is okay outside of God. But here we're trying to make other people feel loved and appreciated. We're trying to uplift them. So sometimes you're gonna have to operate in a way that you wouldn't normally. But there's always a blessing for you and that person at the end because God has given it to you for a reason. Being aware of others and what's going inside of them can also help you give them grace. Being frustrated at things like this, uh, things like uh, slights against you, or even with me, when I was getting frustrated at being misrepresented, the thing that always calmed me down, I mean, it was no more than like an hour at most, but still, it's an hour to be outside of uh, the peace that God called me to be, was always to think about what they were feeling. If they were operating outside of God, it's not any different than how I was operating because I was frustrated. They may not be aware, and it may not be me who's supposed to tell them to be aware. I have to be able to look at that and be okay with it and give them grace. I have to fulfill the hold that I have in me and operate just in a holy manner until God tells me to operate or do something else and tell them how to fill their void. Like I said, church, we are a family a family of saints. Lights always shine brighter when they're in close proximity. The closer we stay together and the closer we uh, come to God, the stronger we will be as a unit. Uh, when I first started meeting with the young adult group uh, all together, a lot of good things started happening for me. Now my car broke down first, but that was a test of faith. Uh, after that, I got the car I got now, I love, expensive though, and uh, just a lot of spiritual growth and enlightenment, a lot of good times, and a lot of things I was missing. Uh, God pointed out as well, they came to me in my life at a moment when I decided that I was done trying to make friends. I had just gone through a third friend group that I thought was going to be my friends for life, and uh, evidently not, as they're not here now, but it was, it had hurt me. To such a degree to where I was, I was cool with it just being me and God. I was already in Lincoln. So I was like, you know, I'll come to church services on the weekend and fellowship with the people that are already there and I know and love. But I'm done reaching out and growing. 
Now that was a giant void that needed to be filled ASAP. So I'm sure that's why God had introduced me to all the young adults uh, right after then. But uh, I bring up that last friend group because it was the biggest lesson that God taught me at Myrtle Beach. There was uh, some things in that last friend group that I had missed, despite them being not so kind to me and not really uh, taking into account who I am. They mocked uh, a big part of who I was regularly. So I was asking God, you know, what's up? Why am I missing these people? Um, and he gave me some reasons, came to some conclusions, and uh, there was a lot of things that I wanted but didn't have. So then I was stuck. Like I said, there's levels to this. I said, God, what am I supposed to do now? And that's when God said, again, you know what to do. There's people all in front of you, people all around you. God has provided already. Uh, and a lot of times you have to realize that when you're acting, it's uh, God in you. When I was at the altar last Sunday, no, yeah, Sunday before last week, and I was praying with Brother Shane, that is the first time I have cried specifically while praying in a very long time. And those tears were heavy. It was, I couldn't even breathe. It was uh, an intense feeling. And I didn't understand why, because I loved him with all my heart, but I'd have nothing to cry for. So uh, in the midst of those tears, God told me that I'm crying for him, that these are his tears, as he's pulling after him so strongly and wants him close. And whew, I was like, okay, God, you know, I'll cry for that. <laughs> okay. And uh, as I prayed for Shane, there was a lot of things that were revealed to me, and we've become closer since, and God has been slowly filling in those gaps that he pointed out at Myrtle Beach. And I cannot wait to continue to grow closer with those who God has appointed for me, because I know that even if it'll be a difficult journey, there's still, uh, still blessing for me at the end of the road. And I implore all of you to do the same. Uh, make sure to be aware of your voice, be aware of your emotions, and master them. And when you can't do that, you have a family around you that's there to do it with you. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you, a mighty name, God. We ask that the spiritual food that you provided today nourish our bodies, that we walk uh, through this week and our lives, being aware of who we are, what we want, and how to fix it, God. We ask that you let us humble ourselves and become vulnerable, rely on fellowship, and sharpen iron with iron, God. We thank you for allowing us to gather here today. And we thank you for all the blessings you provided us. In your mighty precious name, God, we pray. Amen.